Welcome back, folks, to the next episode of Bears on Tap. This is the Building the Board edition of Bears on Tap. We are live for you guys here from Mobile, Alabama, way down south. And I have with me Steve Letizia and Robert Schmitz. We just spent the last, I don't know what, what time is it? 6.30, so what, 12, 13? You're making me no, so not that much. 10 hours? 10 hours either at the Senior Bowl practice, watching football, or coming back here, making tweets, writing articles, making content about what we saw there today. Uh, we'll start with you, Steve. How are you doing today? Doing good. Again, you know, first time in the Senior Bowl, so it's just kind of taking it all in, but it's really nice to see these guys up close and personal. There's like a different touch that you don't get to see on the tape and everything like that and you get to interview these guys. So I'm doing great. I'm having a great time. Yeah. How about you, Rob? Man, this is great. I love the Senior Bowl. It's such a funny little balance, right, between networking and meeting new people. I get to meet Derek Klassen and uh, Arif Hassan and Marcus Whitman over the last couple of days, which is awesome, just to name a couple. And so you're trying not to get too distracted as you yeah. talk to somebody while some of your favorite players are running all over the field and making plays. And it's so funny because every time I hear you and Steve talk, because we're all in the same house here, it's all about these names that might as well be fictional characters to me because I really <laughs> haven't watched any offensive line, defensive line. But, hey, I can tell you all about the DBs that you didn't even know played today. So no, that I did not. Players. I mean, I, I catch some of the receivers and running backs, but, like, <laughs> the DBs, I just – they might as well not be there for me. Like, it's just like, I don't know what I'm looking no, at here. I can I, go maybe three of them at this point. Well, so. well <laughs> <laughs> But, anyways, for, for you guys listening, day two – Day one was shells only, so that, that's just shoulder pads. They didn't have any any leg pads or anything like that. Day two, full pads, full hitting, full speed. Everything is online. Everything is pedal to the metal. Mm-hmm. It, it's fun, and it's what it's what I'm ex- I was excited for to see mm-hmm. the full hitting in the trenches, especially. Now we're going to start off with some of our day two winners, and we'll start with the national team. So. Yeah, Steve, who do you have as your biggest winner from the national team today? Yeah, a guy I liked, uh, and he had a good day yesterday too, so I don't want to say he's had kind of put two, two days together, but he had a really good day too, was uh, Kingsley Edgacoon. I don't know if I pronounced that right, but for, uh, center from Florida. He also played a little bit guard today, uh, all week. Actually, he's played kind of both center and guard, but he's looked really good. He's uh, I wa- When I watched him previously, I just watched a couple of games, and I thought he was good, wasn't blown away. But I definitely want to go back and watch the tape on him more because he's looked really good in these two practices, power, speed, athleticism, everything you want. Another good note about him is he's being coached right now by the Bears tight end coach, Jim Dre. Ooh. And we noticed that in the kind of in-between times, Dre was talking with him a lot mm-hmm. uh, kind of, and like using him as like the example of how to teach other guys. So the, obviously that that kind of put him on our radar too. So, but he he's been really good. He's a guy I, I really want to watch more of. Anyone who's been coached in football or coached football should know this. If you're choosing a guy to help you show an example of something or to help you teach something, it's because you feel really good about that guy. Right. It's like you feel like he he'll either be doing the right thing or he's going to pick this up. I think that's a good sign for for Absolutely. the player of whether the Bears might target him in the draft personally. 
Yeah, I mean, it doesn't mean the Bears are for sure going to draft this guy. You know, there's so many other factors that go into it, but it's definitely a sign that they like him. Yeah. This coach likes him. Yeah. Robert, how about you? Who did you think won today for the American team? So, look, I could rapid fire through like 15 different names because there are all kinds of players that played really well today. But there's one player that's too dominant for me not to mention. He's not a Bears fit because Quinion Mitchell is going to get taken way too high. But if we're talking winners, I can't with a straight face not mention the guy who's probably the most dominant player in Mobile right now. And yeah. I mean, I say that obviously not knowing O-line, D-line, but you guys didn't walk away saying some of the same names that you said yesterday. And Quinion Mitchell was, if anything, more dominant because now he only pulled reps from players that were bona fides from the first practice. And right. it took a magical one-handed catch in one-on-ones to catch nearly anything on him. So Quinion Mitchell out of Toledo has to be the winner for day one, day two. Probably one of the biggest winners of the so far. Just yeah. Not just in play level, but also given that he was a mid-day two kind of guy. And after this, I can't imagine anybody seeing him squarely outside of round one. But yeah. that's that's a payday. Yeah. yeah. Well, with, with Mitchell, it's interesting because I, you know, not watching the DBs and everything, but you've talked him up so much. So, like, I was watching – the wide receivers and the team drill. So I was mm-hmm. watching more of the wide receivers. And anytime Mitchell was in the game, I know he's not a Bears fit, the Bears haven't transferred him. But I was like, I'm going to watch that wide receiver because if you can beat Quinion Mitchell, mm-hmm. then you're a good wide receiver. No one beat Quinion yeah, Mitchell. So <laughs> he was really good. Yeah, it, it was like every time we saw Javon Baker lined yeah. up against him, we watched it because he, yeah. he mentioned it and I'd, I'd watch it. I'd be mm-hmm. like, you know, the O line is working against the O line right now, but it's basically installed. There's not a lot to right. see here. And it was just like, oh, no. Baker didn't take him. Baker didn't take him. Baker, every time I saw it. That's nothing against Javon Baker. It's more about just how good Quinion Mitchell is. It becomes that way, hasn't it? It's like he's explosive enough to keep up with Roman Wilson. He's balanced enough to take the punch that Javon Baker's throwing at him and, frankly, give Baker back a little more than he asked for. He's strong enough to contend with Brendan Rice down the sideline with no real issue. There have been moments, I think, Brendan – is one of the few guys that might have gotten a little away from him. And Brendan's a funny story because you want to talk about senior bowl. Everybody talks winners and losers and this and that and the other. Brendan Rice saw the buzz that he got after day one. He took every rep that he could. He took twice the reps of anybody else today. Like if you aggregate, most people got maybe five one-on-ones. Brendan must have run at least 12. Be just he took every chance he could to try okay. to prove something else. I like that. He did not win them all, but he was really hey, out there. He's not scared he, to lose them. He, exactly. And he had one where he did actually separate deep against Cornyan, and the ball was so woefully underthrown it got picked <laughs> off instead. So uh, it ends up as pick against Brendan Rice in the eyes of like a scout. But yeah. It, it's so funny telling the stories of the senior bowl, right? Because you can right. see the different ways that some of these kids are trying to go about their business. I think Roman Wilson didn't want to show too much today. Oh, it's part of why I think Roman got chosen for that one-on-one. Good on him for making the catch. Because I almost think that he walked in today too, like, oh, I, I can't pull out now, but <laughs> my stunts can have trouble being any higher. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very possible. So – for my take on the on the day two winner for the American or the national team, I always get them confused. So I feel like the same thing. <laughs> but uh, for the national team, it's it is, actually to, to what you said, Robert, it is one of the names that we mentioned yesterday because I think this guy could sit tomorrow and it wouldn't matter. Like I, I wouldn't blame him for doing it. 
and that's Jackson Powers Johnson. Yeah. I mean, he, he was once it. again just dominant in the one-on-ones. He was a difference maker in the run game when they uh when they were doing full team drills. He's just he is throwing his weight around out there and he is truly a difference maker on the field. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he kind of transitioned into the next thing we're doing, but like he was also in my guys who, you know, put together two straight days of, of Well, of, yeah, let's let's jump into that. Sorry. Didn't mean yeah, no, so, no, 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 no problem. Um, so our next topic here is stacked performers. So the, this is guys who stacked two days in a row of really good standout performances here at the Senior Bowl. So Steve, well, Jackson Powers Johnson. So I, I just, yeah, that's my one of my guys. I've talked about him in every podcast I've been to. So I just wanted to say, like, yeah, he is one of those guys that stacked. But if we're talking about another guy. Um, that's, uh, ooh, that's the wrong one. The wrong team. I have Christian Haynes, but that's the wrong team. So I don't have a guy. Go to Robert and come okay. back to me. <laughs> I thought Notre Dame's Cam Hart was really fun. I mean, he's a guy that actually might fall to the Bears because I don't know where the league wants him. I mean, I think the league's going to like him a lot. But generally speaking, if the league is going to if the league's going to take you top two rounds, I want to hear Daniel Jeremiah or Dane Brugler at least whisper about you eventually. Right. Yeah. And so he's he's given a lot of guys help in man coverage, the corner out of Notre Dame. I thought Max Melton, corner out of Rutgers, also had himself a solid day. Uh, if we're talking about stacking, does does Ricky Pearsall count as stacking if he had two B plus days? Right. I think so. Yeah. He, he looks capable. Right. He's yeah. not going to blow your socks off. But he he looks very capable, can win in a lot of different ways. We know he's a really solid blocker. And then I thought Luke McCaffrey had a solid day as a blocker too. But that's that's a very different role. They're all different roles. This senior bowl feels loaded with guys that are not competing for the same spot on different rosters. Tez Walker wants to be your wide receiver one. uh, Anaya Smith wants to be on a roster at all. Like and making an impact as best yeah. way he can. So it's interesting talking through these guys. And is there a section in our show where I get to talk about safeties? Like when do I, when do I get to do anytime that? you want to? No safety. Uh, the safeties I really liked Evan Williams out of Oregon. He's somebody that I wanted to see show off in a Senior Bowl atmosphere. He's done so here. Uh, the big name that you're going to see in the national team is uh, Keaton Oladipo, and he looked awesome. He got a one on one, snuffed out his guy. Uh, he's number 28, the Oregon State safety that you've probably seen flying around, and he's a nightmare. And the more I watch the safeties that are here in Mobile, the more confident I am that the Bears are going to have a very good option at 75. There's just no way they're all going to get drafted. And if they wanted to look at a legitimate starting safety, that I, I'm going to say something that there's going to be somebody out there that might think it's ridiculous, but this is your shot at a legit all-pro in the third round because safety is just a weird position. You don't really know what makes a Minka Fitzpatrick because the safety position is just kind of a grab bag. It's a tight end in that same way. You're hoping that you get a good starter. You're hoping beyond that maybe you found your safety, George Kittle. But it's we'll see what happens. There's a lot of ways that there's could go with this. Yeah, and I think you're saying all that with the position in school made me realize I should probably clarify Jackson powers, Johnson center out of Oregon. And yeah. So, and if we're talking about Oregon players, my, now that I looked at it again, my guy who stacked two straight days is Brandon Dorless from Oregon. So other side of the ball, D tackle, D tackle. Well, that's kind of what I, he's kind of, he's definitely a tweet. Like he's going to get labeled a tweener 
for sure because he's what 6'3, 277. I think is that what he weighed in? Something, something around that. He played D end, he played D tackle for Oregon at that weight. It certainly seems 272 at 272 pounds. It certainly seems like he's going to be on the edge, but he's been warming up with the D tackles. His best reps in both days today have come from D tackle, mm-hmm. so I don't. It definitely been a betweener, but I thought he had a good day yesterday. I thought he had an even better day today. Um, so he's stacking those days together. And for me, I'm gonna. I, I mean, I looked at this, and obviously, I already talked about JPJ. He stacked days, and then uh, you know, I looked at a few other guys that I considered on the American team, like a, a Gabe Hall. I thought he stacked good days in one on ones. That's a Baylor defensive tackle. Um, Save him. Uh, I don't know about that being a Red Raider, but <laughs> I'll, I, I, I'll allow it. You went there. And then there were a few other guys that I thought stacked good days, but one that has really stood out to me all like yesterday and today of a surprise. Like I, Washington offensive tackle, uh, I was about to just butcher his name, Roger Rosengarden. Okay. Um, I always want to say uh, Rosenhaus, and I'm like, no, not the agent, the player. Um, Rosengarden has put together two really nice days. And I, I said to Steve yesterday, like, I, I, Rosengarden's got, you know, good technique. I think he could be a 10-year NFL player as a swing tackle, just bouncing team to team, but, like, always that reliable swing tackle that you feel fine about. I'm starting to think he might be – be able to start in the league the way that he's playing out here. Okay. I mean, he he was handling guys on day one pretty well, and I think he got better on day two, mm-hmm. which is not – usually when you have a good day one, you might fall down a little bit Especially on day two. Being, yeah, being like a, a bit more limited of an athlete, and his technique has just really shined mm-hmm. out there. His footwork, his hand placement, he's just – Everything is very sound and very smooth. It feels like he's been doing this his whole life, which he probably has, but with the right kind of coaching. And everything is just really easily comes to him as far as the leverage positioning, the hand positioning, being able to find ways to win. Um, now, that'll bring us to our next topic, though. What was that? Nothing. Okay. Uh, comeback stories. Guys who struggled on day one, but they didn't let it get them down. Mm-hmm. They came back out there on day two, and they got after it. Steve? Well, my, I have two guys, and it's interesting because the two guys I'm going to talk about right now were the two guys I talked about yesterday when we were talking about guys who had bad days. So it's the exact same two guys. One of them, Tanner Bordellini, he looked really bad yesterday. He's my one of my guys. Really bad yesterday. He looked like the day three pick that I thought he was. At least he looked like he belonged <laughs> today. Um, and then the other guy, um, you know, I, he, this guy clearly watched the podcast yesterday, heard me talk shit about him, yep. and was like, I'm going to ball out to shove it in this guy's face. Lay Tulatu looked like a top 10 pick again. Like, like the top 10 pick I think he can be today. He was absolutely dominant from the very first draft. He was the very first one-on-one of the day, and he just blew past Jordan Morgan. Uh, for what would have been a sack. And so, yeah, it was really nice to see him bounce back. I feel like he needed that. He needed that. He needed that for sure. From a corner perspective, Chow Smith-Wade looked nearly unplayable yesterday, and today he looked playable. So thumbs up for thumbs up for Chow. Uh, and I also thought the biggest name is going to be Devontae Walker. I think he bounced back in a way that was 
really needed. And I know you mentioned before the show that you actually thought was were worried that Tez might end up in the losers category. And well, that's what makes the senior bowl such a funny topic. Because on one hand, I thought Devontae Walker entered the weekend needing to show that he was the big, tall, fast receiver that he is. And today I thought he separated deep with ease. And that's exactly what you're looking for. Take the initial jam, get even, and run away from the guy. He didn't catch the ball though and that's a whole separate problem but not one that we see on a lot of unc tapes so either drake may throws an outstandingly catchable football or maybe we take the senior bowls catches and drops a little too seriously i'm one to believe in the latter i mean you've out here in mobile i think what your feet do tells a much stronger story than what your hands do when they betray you, right? Forgive me for just washing over some drops, but if you make big time contested catches, we can give you credit for it. If you drop the ball a bunch, it's worth mentioning, but it becomes one of those like, okay, well, can we catch it our throwing session at the combine? Can we catch it on pro day? And Tez is just not somebody I've gotten that worried. So when it comes to a guy's hands like that, like, is there anything that you look for to say, this is fixable versus this is more mental issue. Generally what I look for is if it's, if I can draw up a situation where I know somebody's probably going to drop the ball, then I think that there's a problem. Drops happen at yeah. times, especially when you get to guys like, I mean, I remember Anthony Miller had a bit of a drop problem, right? And Marshall had a bit of a drop problem. Like the, you can really run the gamut of how good a receiver is with also a drop problem. Mm-hmm. Honestly, the longer I've watched, the more that I think being an extra special catcher of the football is more notable than having a drop problem, right? Those are guys like Jaden Reed who insult the ball in the air and yeah. just don't drop the football. That's not what they do. They're, the, the, I heard somebody explain this when we were talking through the uh, 2022 uh, Chase Claypool P.I., if you guys remember that far, yeah. where he mentioned that there are some people who are going to look for the flag and there are going to be some people that are going to look at their hands and wonder how they didn't catch the ball anyways, right? Yeah. And those guys in the latter category are these guys like uh, Anias Smith, who we'll get to later, where he just did not let contact deter him from catching the football, which is something that I think is cool. But moreover, Q, I, I don't have a hard and fast science for whether somebody is or isn't a good catcher of the football. I think you kind of know it when you see it, but you only know. I think the, the lights are on right now. You're not in North Carolina anymore. You are auditioning for the NFL, and you will be playing in the NFL. And it does feel like that pressure change eradicates all the take that we had, and now it's a whole different story of whether you can catch the football or not because every throw you get your way might be your last one. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. I was just but drops are, are – are weird because obviously you don't want your wide receiver to drop the ball. But if you're getting open consistently and you're making big plays downfield, you can live with a drop or two. Mm-hmm. If you're getting open sparingly and dropping the chances that you get, then that's bad. But if you're, like you said, Tess Walker's getting open, it's not great, but you can live with it if right. he's making big plays. So, All right, and then for my comeback story, I'm actually calling an audible from what I wrote down initially. So – Initially, I was between two offensive tackles. I was looking at uh, Kingsley Suamataya, I think is how you say it, out of BYU. And then the offensive tackle out of uh, Utah, that is Sateo Luameau. And you can't say that I 
called the Audible because I didn't know how to pronounce their names because <laughs> I just tried and utterly butchered them. But as I was looking at, at my roster here, I noticed one name that I had on, on day one, I use a green pen and I put a dot next to each guy's name that I really noticed for good reasons. Today, I use a black pen. I put a dot next to each guy's name that I really know. So I'm looking for just the, the black dots, no green dot next to it. And I noticed Michael Hall Jr., defensive tackle out of Ohio State, who I was a little disappointed in day one. He's a guy that I wrote a draft pro- profile on, made a video for. I really liked his tape at Ohio State, mm-hmm. but I didn't see a lot from him on day one that really, really made sense based on what I'd seen from him previously. And today I felt like we saw that guy. And I talked to him after yesterday's practice. And he said that if there's one thing NFL teams that he wants NFL teams to take away from this week, it's that he's the hardest working guy on the field and he's an absolute dog. There you go. And I saw it today. I saw it today and I asked him yesterday as well. What's one thing you're going to be taking, taking back to work on tomorrow. It's like bringing the juice. I'm bringing that juice. That's what I do. And he brought the juice today. I thought he's a good, as I read his name here, I was like, that's the comeback story based on what he told me yesterday. That's the guy who really came out and did it today. I'm glad you brought him up with that because I completely agree. And um, the one thing, the the bad, not bad thing about Michael Hall, but the thing I noticed is he looked really good today, but his first two reps or two out of his first three reps were against Jackson Powers Johnson. And if you just watch the video, you're like, well, Jackson Powers Johnson won those reps. But he showed quick hands. He showed more lateral agility than the SA on those reps against Jackson Powers Johnson. Sometimes you just go up against a really good center or guard prospect. Uh, so, yeah, he looked really good in those reps, even though he wasn't necessarily dominating them. But then in the other reps, he also looked good, too, and was, and, and was getting some wins against some other guys. All right. So next topic, similar but flip side of the, flip side of the story. Guy who thought to step back on the American t- or national team today. Yeah, so this is a guy that I don't think, you know, he didn't, uh, he flashed yesterday. I don't think he had a terrible day today. It's just that I didn't really notice him, you know? Mm. And that's Dwayne Carter from, from Duke. Uh, it's a guy we both really like uh, a lot, a defensive tackle prospect, who had a pretty decent day yesterday. And I just felt like he just didn't do anything to really wow me today. He was just kind of there. Um, so I want to see more from him tomorrow. But I don't think he was necessarily bad. It's not like he was getting washed away by double teams and he wasn't getting pancaked. He just didn't do anything to, to wow me. You know? Yeah. On a plus-minus system, he got a flat zero. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. How about you, Robert? Yesterday, Luke McCaffrey made a lot of plays that I thought made him a really fun option in day three. I mean, come on. Taking Luke McCaffrey has some fun to it. We all, we all get it. We don't have to explain it. Today, I thought he blended into the crowd way too much. I mean, when you become the player that a lot of people are using as their springboard to show that they're playing solid defensive back, that doesn't help anything, right? No. And I didn't think Luke looked awful or unplayable or something. It's just that we went from, hey, we're doing it, to, oh, well, today wasn't so great. And technically, you could include a lot of the guys like Roman Wilson, etc. Like, I don't need to run down the whole list. And I'll do the same thing for the American roster, where it's like they weren't as meteoric as they were on day one. Maybe we were just used to it. Maybe we we thought we knew what to expect, right? But we didn't see a lot of the same guys shine again, and that's totally okay. Yeah, that Kane makes sense. Kane was problem. Kane, like, <laughs> yeah. the corner from Penn State, I just remembered to mention him. Like, 
he, if anything, he should get a stack because he's stacked two bad days. I had to go look up a corner that he's reminded me of right now, and that's George's Darion Kendrick, a name you likely don't remember because he was getting second-round buzz going into the Senior Bowl in 2022, and then he ended okay. up falling to the sixth. Round. When you mentioned it, when you mentioned it, the Georgia corner yesterday, that's who I was thinking. Mm-hmm. But I thought I thought he was like sixth round. Yeah, he was. He yeah, fell okay. to the sixth round after a Senior Bowl where he could nearly cover it, or he couldn't nearly cover anybody. Yeah, and I mean, this is a guy who has a lot of expectations on him. He got the first one-on-one yesterday, along with Tez Walker, like. The, the national team obviously thinks he's quite good, or at least well-revered among other scouts. But if it, if it was me, the tape that we're seeing right now is shocking. Like, it is, what am I missing tape that sends you back into the draft room? So that actually, Darian Kendrick was one of the weirder prospects I can remember because he was he – was, he was what, maybe a third round pick? Mm-hmm. I then, thought he was a late second guy because he was so good in his own. Well, and he came, he came to the senior bowl, didn't perform. And I want to say he ran some outrageous time in the 40, like a 4 8 or something. Mm-hmm. I think um, he did. Was he injured? I don't know. You think? It like, because it, it, it's like you can't play in the NFL as a 4 8 corner. No, no. And that you can't play now as a four six. So it, it almost makes me wonder: Did he come to the Senior Bowl injured, and then run at the Combine injured, and could something like that be happening with a guy like Kalen King? Maybe not that say he is injured, but just maybe there's something else there. It's not matching. Kalen's an incredible athlete, and if anything, maybe part of me wonders whether this is more a consequence of him trying to do too much, but also not having the protection offered to him by the mm-hmm. structure of the Penn State defense. But so. He's just somebody to keep your eye on here as we head into day three, and especially as the game turns on, because I don't think the senior bowl game means much to everybody, but for a guy like Kalen King, who's already, uh, you thought he was going to be blue, but instead we're looking at, we're looking at orange. We're just looking at a completely different color, right? The, The game could be a nice crucible moment where maybe you see the, all the flash and the stuff that you're looking for resurge, or maybe the game's a moment that it gives up, Four catches on five, like five reps, and you just feel yeah. like you and the stone keeps sinking. You know. Well, and the the thing that just keeps the wheel turning in my head is Darian Kendrick. He's starting for the LA Rams. Is he starting right now? Yeah, he, he's been starting for two years. Well, shoot. I mean, he's he is. I, I don't know if I would say he's a plus corner, but you can sure you can win with him. But he's, so he's not a detriment. Like, almost like the original eval was fine. Yeah. But then all this stuff yeah. happened in draft. And you did see him fall, but maybe we overreacted. It's yeah. kind of what you're getting at. Yeah, and the rant and Lestead came in and said, six round pick? Heck yeah, come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, for me on this one, um, or wait, we just did come back, or we did the, I'm sorry, step back. step back. So now we're jumping into the under the radar guys who we have here. And I'll let you start, Steve. Go ahead. Yeah, so there's like Bears fits guys, right? Under or no, this is under the under the radar is just guys who might be smaller school, might be less heralded, less gotcha. known. Gotcha. Yeah. So a uh, guy I really liked and, and I liked him pre-senior bowl, and I was really excited to see him was Austin Booker from Kansas. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be lesser known much anymore because he's especially after the combine because he's extremely long. He's going to jump out of the gym. He's going to jump out of the gym. And he didn't do much for me yesterday, but he had a lot of much better reps today. Uh, 
really long. I don't know what his exact size is, but it's something like six six two forty five. Like so, he's lean. Yeah. Uh, but he's got long arms, and he he can still con- even though he's lean like that, he converts speed to power. He can threaten the edge with his speed. He can win on the going down like inside. He can do a whole lot, whole lot. So. He's a guy I think is under the radar now. I thought he put together a good day today, and then after the combine, he'll be in that day two conversation. Six four and a half, two forty with thirty four inch arms. Yeah, so a little shorter than I thought, but yeah, you yeah. get the kind of gist of the guy. He yeah, is. I mean so, the, the length is plus. Yeah, so right. I mean that, that matters a lot on the edge. I think to be able to pull out a long arm move and win, win get into the uh, offensive tackles chest quickly. Sure. Now, how about you, Robert? Rutgers corner Max Melton has looked much closer to the good guys than the not good guys. And massive kudos to him for that. It's Bo Melton's brother, if the name sounds familiar. So he comes from a football family, which I cannot believe I'm the guy who said that now four times about four different prospects. <laughs> but scouts care because if you've got pedigree and if somebody, if a brother of yours is in the league, you feel like you know that this kid knows what to expect. Then on the other side of things, wide receiver-wise, I was not super high on Malachi Corley, but he's showing a lot at this senior bowl. Again, very similar to Max Melton. You're seeing what he could be, not that he is dominant right now. Right? Watching all these guys, and this is – I can't help but feel like this senior bowl in particular, it was so important that you did some homework on these guys beforehand because if you're measuring – Corley to Devontae Walker, that doesn't feel fair, and it shouldn't feel fair because Corley is a guy who you're hoping becomes an intriguing wide receiver three that may flex into a wide receiver two in due time. So not a role player, right? Somebody you want to play a role in your offense, but not immediately. And here it, he's showing footwork to separate that I think he needed to show because he rounded a lot of his routes and in particular got squashed by Ohio State. So yeah. good on him to come out here and play with the good guys. Yeah. And so for, for me, for my under the radar guy, I'm going with uh, edge rusher out of Western Michigan. Steve talking about, uh, Steve talked about him a little bit yesterday. Marshawn Neeland. I think he has stacked two good days in a row. A guy who no one really knew that much about coming into here, but looking at the roster here, 6'3", 268 pounds, 34 inch arms. I mean, this guy could be a fit in the Bears Team, we yeah. lost it for some reason. The the feed cut out. How long ago? Just recently. Oh, okay. That's what Nick you was sure? saying. Uh, that's what Sniper saying. And it, and it's offering me a replay. But and if I'm wrong, I'm so sorry, everybody. Because I see <laughs> I see the little lot that says uh, that that says that it's what. No, it's on like a countdown now. So they're doing like the introduction. That's so weird. We'll just keep rolling with it. This so uh, Nick said it's live on Facebook, but off on Twitter. Okay. So as long as we're still Thank on you, Facebook. Facebook and maybe YouTube and YouTube, like, and we'll keep we'll get the pod top. Thank you for dealing it, so. with us, Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> so we didn't say anything bad. Anyways, <laughs> Marshawn Neeland, guy who kept popping during one on ones and has just taken on some of the best offensive linemen here and found ways to win is his strength, his explosiveness has really translated into these practices. Mm-hmm. And I need to find some West Michigan, Western Michigan tape 
I got to find more about this guy. And uh, I just realized I forgot to mention a guy who stepped back for me was Tyler Davis. Wasn't oh, a giant bummer. step back, but it was a step back. I thought about putting him in his mind as well. It was kind of the same thing. With it was Carson. just all right. Just all right. Yeah. Oh, man. And, and he was he was really nice on day one. But today, he just he was out there. You know, and that that's that's really about all I felt like you could say. He, uh, man, when you watch Tyler Davis, you see you see pure chaos in the hands, but no plan. Oh. And that cost him a few times today. Whereas yesterday, it helped him. You know, it it, it can win you yeah, some, it loses sure. you some, and today it lost him more than it won. I got you. Yeah. Now, last one for the national team, guys who you you look at and you say they could be bears. Yeah, I mean, you actually mentioned this guy already, uh, but I can talk about it a little bit more. It's Roger, Roger Rosegarden from Washington. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really liked his tape. I watched uh, a bunch of games of it is actually coming into the Senior Bowl, and I really liked what I saw, uh, as long as you don't watch the National Championship game because he pretty much single-handedly lost that game oh, for, the, no. for Washington. Uh, but, you know, hey, you got to be ups and downs. But anyway, he's looked really good this week. And in terms of a Bears fit, I think, you know, most fans are agreeing. Offensive tackle is not a huge need, pressing need for them. You know, Braxton Jones has been solid. Don't our weight, obviously, first-round pick last year, not replacing him. But I would love to see a developmental offensive tackle taken on day three. Mozart um, maybe gets in that day two, but most likely in a deep class. He's going to be a day three pick. And he just has all the traits, like you said, that you would want in a guy. He's got the, he's got the length. He's got the feet. He uh, uh, uses his hands well. One thing he does is, that I don't love is he uses his outside hand to punch, but that's easily fixable. Um, so I think if you're targeting a guy on day three to be that development ta- de- developmental tackle, he's a great option. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Robert? I mean, it's so funny, right? Because I know I go long on these because I want to tell everybody about everything. But you could fit nearly any wide receiver that's at the senior bowl onto the bears roster because the bears receiving room is so chaotic and open at this point Mm -hmm. that if you said, okay, they want to go late rounder. Well, all right. How far does Ricky Pearsall fall? Right. But if I, you made me pick somebody right here, I think Keaton Oladipo, the safety out of Oregon state makes a lot of sense. It's a matter of what kind of safety do they want back there. And right now, to me, safety is such a glaring hole that I want a talented safety, even if he ends up being safety three with some kind of Eddie Jackson pay cut, where maybe you bench one to play the other midway through the year. Who's to say, right? But Oladipo here, Simpson, and there's Simpson, Bullard. Like, there's so many names that are playing well at safety right now and fit the free safety mold, the, the mold that the Bears need, that they're my Bears fit. So, Robert, I, I'm, I'm throwing this at you just on a yeah. win, but did you watch much of Buffalo's defense at all this year? I watched one game of Buffalo's offense. Do you mean like the, what, the Bulldogs? Uh, no. Uh, oh, Bills. 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 Uh, yes, yeah. I did, actually. So, <laughs> Sean McDermott and Matt Eberflus, you can draw some parallels, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I'm curious because I, I didn't watch enough to actually catch this, but coming into the season, they had two recently all pro safeties in like mm-hmm. the last three years, mm-hmm. and they added Taylor Rapp this offseason. So they had three high level safeties Dude, in their rooms. 
Did they end up using three safety sets very much? Not often. Okay. And I mean, as it's funny too, because you can tell that Sean McDermott really values his safeties because he brought both in, what is it, Micah Hyde and, and Jordan Poyer and, and Taylor Rapp. And they're they're all spending guys, whereas the Bills don't want to spend at linebacker. Mm-hmm. The reverse is true in Chicago, <laughs> where Matt Eberflus loves his linebackers and has generally underspent its safety going all the way back to Indianapolis. So it just feels like a different – it feels like a philosophical difference in who each believes is driving their defense. Yeah. I may – I kind of lean towards uh, McDermott's side <laughs> of this, but we can let bygones be bygones <laughs> and all agree that if they want to stay cheap at safety, they're probably going to need to look to the draft to do it. Yeah. Now, I keep earmarking pick 75, but I think a fourth rounder makes a lot of sense too, especially if you think that class is meaty enough to bleed one guy down there. But I really wouldn't want to take any chances. I think the difference between one of the playmakers that you could get, especially because we know Brisker is uncomfortable playing in the deep center field and would rather push him into that flat area in uh, or in any time we run cover one or cover three. I feel like it just makes sense to prioritize a center fielder, but what do I know? We'll see what happens. Okay. Interesting. Um, And I asked that just under the idea, like could they give a lot of capital at safety and have Eddie Jackson and feasibly find a way? They might. Yeah, maybe. Um, So for my guys here as bears fits from the national team, uh, Tanner Bordellini, Steve already mentioned him some Kingsley Aguacan, Steve already mentioned him some, so on the same page there. But a guy who really, I thought, showed some nice versatility today and had some really nice reps, Dominic Pooney uh, out of Kansas, offensive tackle, snapping the football at practice today, taking one-on-one reps right after snapping the ball. He's got center versatility. He had no issues with with getting the ball out, getting right into his block. Um, And at that point, you're saying – the transition from tackle to center, you can go from tackle to guard too, probably. Right. Um, so I think there's something to like there from a late round guy as a interior depth, center depth, and maybe play tackle in a pinch kind of guy, which I think they really need on this offensive line. That that uh, jack of all trades offensive lineman is something that they're kind of missing right now. I think every roster needs that guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he can be one of the this guy's plays tackle in a pinch. He's not going to yeah. play there, but you Ooh, have some injuries. Right you move him out there, just you know. But like he, I, uh, him playing center was generally one of the more surprising things mm-hmm. that I've seen because there are other guys um, going into the week. I was like, oh, I hope I see him at center, and they haven't gotten any snaps there. Yeah. And but he was not a guy that was even on my radar for. And then he's done that, and he did it. What he's done it well. Yeah. So it's yeah. He he's really he's made some money this week. He's yeah. been good. Now before we get to the American roster. I might see if there's any any questions we got. Oh, because last episode we completely forgot that we should walk across the room and take a look at this. <laughs> so I am Scopes asked. Seems like Bordellini stepped up today, which we yep. agreed on. For sure. Um, and then Javon Baker, future bear. Okay. Whoever that is, yeah, give that guy that's, a star. That, that's <laughs> Tom. Tom. Yep. Okay. Yep. Uh, Nick asks, how does Powers Johnson compare to the hype Bears had, Bears fans had for John Michael Schmitz? Oh, Steve, do you want to touch on that? 
to me, I mean, watching both guys a lot, I've watched a lot of Oregon, and obviously I watched a lot of JMS last year. I don't think they're even close, to be honest. I wasn't the biggest JMS fan, uh, but I think Jackson Powers Johnson is a better player than JMS was. What, where did JMS go? Like 60? Is that yeah, around uh, pick 60? Right. 50, 50. What was it? It was right before Tyreek Stevenson. So yeah, yeah 55, something yeah. like that. Anyway, yeah, that range, like, at this point, Powers Johnson isn't getting out of the first round. He might not get out. He might, I mean, the, we got the Dolphins at like 21. He should be the first guard right. off the board. Definitely. Yeah. And, like, and he's a center, but like he's a center. And, but like the thing, okay, the difference there between JMS is JMS was pretty much a center only prospect. So you're yeah. never going to, you're rarely going to draft a center only prospect in the first round with, uh, with Jackson Powers Johnson. He's been playing guard. The senior bowls look good. He's played guard in, in his career. Uh, as a freshman, he played guard at Oregon. So he has that versatility. So you're much more comfortable drafting him higher because if you know if you draft a center only guy and he fails, he's out of the league. If you draft right. this guy who has some versatility, maybe he doesn't work out at center, you can move him to guard and you have that option. So yeah, I mean to me he's a far better prospect. Even backup value. Yeah. You don't you don't carry backup centers, you carry backup centers who can play guard or backup guards who can play center. Exactly. So now moving on to the American roster, who I've been telling these guys all week. The DJ for the American roster <laughs> has the vibes on point. The he DJ does. for the national roster, it's it's not quite up to up to the same level. And the American roster is going to win because of it. These guys have juice at practice. Despite the national roster being a thousand times yeah. better, the, but the American roster is better song. So yeah, that, that's awesome. And they got the vibes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so going over the same topics, starting with Steve, who's your winner for day two on this roster? Yeah, a guy I really liked was Javon Foster from Missouri, the offensive tackle. Um, kind of the op- I was just talking about Roger Rosengarten as a guy who I watched a lot and I liked a lot coming into here. Foster's the exact opposite. I watched a few of his games and I didn't really like him that much. But he's been really impressive. He was impressive yesterday and he was impressive today. So I have to go back to those games where you watch him because either I was I, I would need to make sure if I was missing something or if maybe you know he's just having a good week and his tape isn't that great. But he's he looked really good. We both agree. Uh, really long, um, athletic offensive tackle. I, his tape is really raw despite being a, a multi-year starter. Uh, but he definitely has looked good. Um, and his, he'd be another guy that might be like a developmental. You draft him in the fourth round and kind of bring him along slowly, and you might have something there. Yeah. Robert? Sweet. Uh, I really liked what Cam Kitchens brought today. Safety yeah. out of Mich- or Safety out of – Miami. I think that he played really, really well. I mean, he had a couple of coverage reps where he blanketed the guy across from him. That's Benson in some cases, who's had himself a really nice senior bowl. It's so funny assigning the winner here because with Quinion Mitchell, I'm talking about somebody who's just been dominant with the capital D. But today, it felt like a lot of the roles reversed, at least within the skills positions, where it, Lad McConkley wasn't as dominant as he was the day before. We didn't see, I don't know, Johnny Wilson, some people with his size continue to want to see him dominate but instead we saw a lot of guys that didn't shine a ton in day one really blossom in day two on both the db side and the wide receiver side so i would give it to kitchens jonathan bullard i think is also worth naming in this category but it really would be more those guys where we talk about um what, what category are we calling it the guys who like stepped up the, the that's, comebacks that's like comeback kids that's most of yeah. yeah. And then uh, for me, I'm going with Arkansas center Bo Limmer, who has some guard versatility. I thought he had 
a really nice day today. It's not, it's not, it's not in the same vein as a JPJ where I'm sitting here saying he could probably sit day three. Like it doesn't matter anymore. He's, he's proven it, but Bo Limmer, I thought did himself a ton of favors today. I'm not sure I saw a player step up as well as he did and make me say, I need to rethink that guy. Mm-hmm. So next up here, stack performances. So two days in a row. Who do you guys see? Yeah. So I have two guys I want to highlight. Um, and these two guys, it's it's JPJ and then these two guys, I think are the guys that I've seen that have helped their stock the most. Uh, number one is, and I think I mentioned both these guys yesterday, but number one is Christian Haynes, the uh, UConn interior offensive lineman. Um, he's just been, he's just been so good. And I, I liked him coming into the senior bowl. And I think I might even, even move him up my board even more. Uh, <laughs> he's super athletic, you know, a little undersized, but he's so smooth and athletic and fluid hips. Like, his, as a run blocker, you know, I talked, I actually talked to him. Uh, I got to interview him a little bit. He mentioned that UConn runs a lot of outside zone and that's where he excels. And that's a hundred percent to the case. Like he, if you run a wide zone scheme, you're going to want Christian Haynes on your team. Um, and then there was one rep that I want to highlight that, uh, against, he went up against Jordan Jefferson, the LSU defensive tackle. And he absolutely just dominated the rep. He was getting a little physical. And after the rep, Jordan Jefferson grabbed his face mask, ripped his helmet off and threw it. And Q, I was like, oh, that's a bad look for Jordan Jefferson. But Q being the offensive line guy, I was like, no, that's a good look for Christian Haynes. Because he got in that guy's He's a head. pest. He's a pest. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I you're... want my center to be a pest. You're a hundred. <laughs> I want him to just be in their heads, under their skin, have a little Owen Krutz in him. Yep. Yep. That, and, and you said the like, center guard, he's been playing both. Like, he's been really good. And then my other guy, uh, this guy probably has helped himself maybe the most is Darius Robinson from Missouri. Um, I did a write-up on him. I don't can't remember where I had him projected. I think I said he'd be like in the top 50. Now I don't know if he's getting out of the first round. He's been fantastic. Super long, super athletic. You know, he maybe doesn't have that speed to like get around the edge as, as you know, some, you know, the bend as you know what they call it. But there are multiple ways you can threaten the edge, if even if you're not the most bendy guy. And he the way he attacks his guys with his length and then uses his length to get around them. That's fine with me. That works. And uh, interior versatility. And interior versatility. And like you, you hear offensive when people talk about offensive linemen controlling the rep when they get their hands on them. Mm-hmm. And you hear that with offensive linemen a lot. But Darius Robinson does the exact same thing. When he gets his hands in your charge, like he controls the rep and he just dominates. So he's been really good. To that awesome. point, I, uh, I talked to um, Oklahoma center Andrew Rain after practice today. And one of the questions I asked him was, you know, who gave you the toughest battle today? Yeah. And he said, kid out of Missouri, wear number six or single digit number. He couldn't remember exactly which one, but that's, that's Darius Robinson. It's fantastic. That's awesome. Robert, how about you? So at least what I saw, because there wasn't that many stacked days, I thought Lad McConaughey looked like himself. So I do want to mention him. It's not like he had a poor performance by any stretch of the imagination. But it's the tight ends, Ben Sinnott and Jared Wiley. I think Jaheim Bell fell off a little bit. So it's really those two who kept up their high level of performance. And also Jamari Thrash was not somebody I came into the Senior Bowl outstandingly high on. I mean, blame the Louisville offense if you want to, because Jake Plummer and that attack is just not that much to write home about. But he's been competitive. I mean, Jamari is not the fastest, and his breaks aren't the cleanest. But you feel a competitiveness almost ooze out of his reps that is just in 
infectious. And, I, and anybody else who's seen that on tape, I can completely understand why you'd like the kid. I mean, it's that it's that same vibe you got from Jaden Reed within a completely different player, right? Where it's like, that's my ball, and I'm the only one who's going to take this thing. He did it yesterday, did it today. He's got my attention. Got that dog in him. Got that dog in him. Be a dog. Love it. Love it. So my stack performer <laughs> also has that dog in Braden Fiske. And I, since I turned this kid's tape on, what, two months ago? Mm-hmm. The second I saw it, I was like, oh, he's good. This, he's this guy's made for the senior bowl. <laughs> he is a Tonka truck, man. He just throws his body around with reckless abandon on That's the awesome. defensive line. Like Florida State defensive tackle, Braden Fiske. This dude is an animal. I'm not sure if he's going to stay healthy in the league because of the way he tosses that body around. But if he does, I mean, he's going to be a quality football player for somebody just because he's he's reckless. And I love recklessness in a defensive tackle. Mm-hmm. Like, that's half the job. It just being th- – throwing caution to the wind and saying, I'm going after whatever's in front of me. Um, so, Braden Fiske's second day in a row. It's not to say he was perfect. There are definitely reps where he gets a little out of control and embarrassed but he wins a lot more than he loses out there because he is just relentless. Yeah. Now, next topic here, comeback stories. Steve, who's your comeback story? Yeah, so I struggle with this one because I feel like uh, th- with this team, there wasn't anyone who really had a terrible day yesterday and came back. But one guy I want to highlight who's really not a Bears fit at all, but Devondre Sweat, I think, came out today and looked a lot better, uh, at least on the field. I'll talk about the rest later. But on the field, he looked like he was unblockable. And in one-on-ones, when you're as strong as he is at 360 pounds, you should win all of your one-on-ones. Um, and he definitely won a majority of it. So, again, probably not a fairest fit, but definitely a guy who didn't was not impressive yesterday for the most part, um, mm-hmm. but who came back today and then put some good reps together. Robert, what do so, you got? So I couldn't help but look at the corners in the American squad and see the guys that I wasn't able to watch anymore, right? Like, in particular, Kalen Carson's a name that I've mentioned more than once. And mm-hmm. not seeing him on the roster is just such a bummer that I basically didn't want to pay any attention to these corners. But in particular, Fresno State corner Carlton Johnson and Louisville corner Jarvis Brownlee have really sparkled. At, at least they did today. And so massive kudos to them for kind of shaking everybody by the shoulders and saying, hey, pay attention to me. I am right here. Like, kudos to them for doing what they've been doing. All, but my winner, because I'm biased, is Anaya Smith, who didn't even have that great a day. He just didn't look awful. And I'm rooting for him, and he's so much fun, and he's so fast. He's got great footwork. He's not separating super well partially because I don't know if he really has found a spot between the slots and the Z that he really wants to attack, but there's too much good tape. And when he gets guys closing on him for uh, like for contested catches, he's ripping the ball away and making sure that it's never the DB's ball and it's never the ground's ball either. So kudos to Anias, those corners, and a couple other receivers that we can get to here in a little bit. He had a gritty run after catch on the screen pass today, I noticed. I, I liked that. I liked that a lot. He's working. I mean, yeah. you can tell that something that means something to me is that Anaya Smith looks like he wants it more than anybody else on the American mm-hmm. team, which says something. There are a lot of guys out there that are competing like crazy, but he wants it so badly. I have very little doubt he will get it, whatever that looks like for him. You, you know? know why they're competing so hard? 
because the vibes are right. The vibes are right. <laughs> That's exactly it. Uh, so for a guy who stepped back for me, this one, like Steve said, it was a tough one. But the more I thought about it, the easier it got. It's uh, Jordan Jefferson. Uh, as Steve yeah. mentioned earlier, LSU defensive tackle Jordan Jefferson. It's not real. Like he had a fine day and he actually had a pretty good day one. But the rep against Christian Haynes, where he ripped his helmet off and threw it, that's just not that. That's going to impact his draft position, whether you, I like it or not. And I, I mean, I liked what he did out there until that moment. You can't lose your composure like that and expect to not be credited with the step back. Makes sense. And Rob, oh, good. No, I was just going to say, especially you can't do that, especially if you're a day three pick, which he yeah. is. If you're a top guy, you could spend that. Uh, a team will spin that as, oh, he's passionate, and we're going to use the first one pick on him anyway. On day three, you're like, okay, well, we're not. It's not no. worth the headache. Yeah, and Robert, to your point about your guys and favoring them a little, I'm pretty sure this time last year I was finding any excuse I could for uh, for Jarrett Patterson and how he was getting better. And I'm pretty sure he was one of my winners one of the days, even though he probably shouldn't have been, been there. But you know what? He was fine this year. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, moving on. We all do it. To our under-the-radar guy. Oh, do we all go through and cite somebody who I, did, I play well? I didn't do my step back, so I'll just do a quick. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's cool. Uh, I might have messed up anyway. So, But anyway, got my guy who stepped back, uh, Tyler Guyton uh, from uh, Oklahoma. He had a... I think it's mostly because he had such a good day yesterday. It's not that he had a bad day today, but he just – he really had a great day yesterday. And today – he but even yesterday, he had the high, a lot of highs and a few lows. Today, he had some highs and more a little bit more lows. And that's just kind of the player he is. We kind of talked about it yesterday, the high ceiling, high floor, and he just continues to show that. But he did have a, lot, a few more losses today, I think. So for mine, Xavier Leggett did not step back today. If anything, he took a small step forward. But guys, I can't help feeling like this senior bowl, especially this American roster, was made for McConkley and Leggett to take it over. And look, McConkley just already generated people calling him Cooper Cup. So mission accomplished yeah. from his perspective. And Leggett looks athletic. Leggett looks explosive, but he's not getting open. And he's got his own quarterback. So you would think that he's got home field field advantage because his quarterback knows how he likes the ball, but we're just not shining. And I I can't help but feel like that's a little disappointing for Leggett, who might be – I mean, it's a loaded wide receiver class, and we know that. And this is the kind of performance that, in my opinion, gets Xavier Worthy drafted over you. Because yeah. you had the opportunity to show that you were just too valuable to pass on and you could get the fast kid later. But now you start rethinking it. You start saying, well, I mean, we know what Troy Franklin is. We know what Adonai Mitchell is going to give us. Like, we we can make reasons for all these other guys, whereas I can't help but keep seeing Jonathan Mingo, which is not an insult. Mingo's a perfectly good player, right? Mm-hmm. But he got drafted at, what, 39? Yeah, like last year, <laughs> way too high. I think the general consensus is that we all kind of know it. And, and thank you, Panthers. Yeah. And thank, thank you, Panthers. Thank you, Panthers. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I just can't help but wonder whether Leggett is falling into the same rhythm. But we'll yeah. see. Should jump out of the gym, too. And somehow I jumped from comeback stories to the uh, step back on my own. So my step back was Jordan Jefferson, as I said. 
my comeback story was Javon Foster, who really had one of the better days of all the offensive linemen on this team today. Um, He kept winning one-on-ones. I saw multiple times in team drills where he was a difference maker. So really strong day from uh, the offensive tackle out of Mizzou. Is that right, Mizzou? Yeah, Yeah, the Mizzou offensive tackle, Javon Foster. Um, So now we will get to the the under-the-radar guys. And Steve, you can start us off. Yeah, there's a, actually there's a lot of under the radar guys on this team, so I kind of struggled with this, but I, I I'll mention uh, I'm going to mention two because why not? Uh, I like Eric Watts from UConn, uh, the defensive end. Um, built in a I've mentioned this on Twitter, but basically Maddie Rufus built this guy in a lab. You know, six four, two seventy, long arms, like, uh, and he he hasn't looked great these um, the both two days. Um, he looked a little bit better today. He won a few more reps. Um, so it's not like he's blowing the doors off, but I think he's just an under the radar guy. He's just super raw, and you can—he's a ball of clay that you can mold. Um, so I think he's an under the radar guy as a pass rusher. Uh, and then another one guy is uh, Delmar Blaze from uh, Maryland. Uh, I actually what liked him a, a good amount when I was watching his tape, um, and no one's really talking about him. He plays—he played left tackle for Maryland this year, played right tackle two years ago, played guard before that. So he has that versatility. Um, I thought the reps at the Super Bowl here have been better at guard than they have been at tackle. Not to say that he's bad at tackle, but he's been better at guard. And I think that's probably where his best position is in the NFL. But he's more than, you know, if we're talking about guys who can play tackle in a pinch, I would trust him to play tackle in a pinch more than I would trust some of the other guys we've been talking about. Um, so I think he's just flying under the radar and he's not going to go day two. He's going to be a day three pick. But I like him a lot more than I like uh, Jalen Duncan. Uh, last year, the other the Maryland offensive tackle. Um, I like his tape better than, than Duncan's, so um, I think he's kind of flying on the radar. The Maryland Terrapins find a way to get some of the best athletes in the country without yes, anyone they knowing they have the yeah. best athletes yes, in the country. Do. <laughs> I do not know why or how it is if it's just like Baltimore has just these incredible athletes that mm-hmm. no one looks at, but like these Maryland kids every year surprise me. Like I mean, you mentioned Jalen Duncan. He was an incredible athlete. Like, I had questions about him last year. But there was a there was an offensive guard from Maryland last year who I fell in love with his tape. He he was their run game last year. And he had that positional versatility at left guard, right guard, a little tackle, some center even. And, like, he ended up getting drafted in the sixth round by the Steelers, I think. And he wasn't on anyone's board. Like, he – they find some really good players in Maryland. I think I think they're always a team you need to look at. It's awesome. Yeah. Robert, who's your under-the-radar guy? When I think under-the-radar, I think short king. And Jaquan Jackson was awesome yeah. today. I mean, he popped in Even, every possible hey, opportunity. I look at the tall guys, and I still know this. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, he's the wide receiver out of Tulane, and he was just gas today. I mean, he was he has so much pep in his step and basically ran away from anybody whenever he got the opportunity. Yeah. Played really well in team period especially on underneath and like drag routes and other things like that. And I mean, kudos to, I guess it, there's always one, right? Last year it was Tank Dell. The year before that it was uh, Calvin Austin. Like mm-hmm. there's always our senior bowl short King and it sure looks like it's becoming Jaquan Jackson. I also think when we're talking about under the radar, I think Andrew Phillips is playing really good ball for Kentucky. He's he's a corner that's giving a lot of people trouble, including guys that I thought were a little bigger than he was going to be able to handle. So how is he going to deal with the Braden, uh, like the Braden 
Rice's, uh, how's, or Brendan Rice, how's he going to deal with a Rosemary Jack Saint? Like, how's he going to deal with guys that have legit size and can threaten him that way? We'll see. But he ran with Johnny Wilson, and that's all you got to do to beat Johnny Wilson. <laughs> and so it was it was nice seeing his day. I have no idea whether he's going to be able to hang his outside corner, whether he's going to get pushed inside. But he's a great under-the-radar guy that I think a lot of people aren't paying attention to. Our other scout doing DBs, Nick DeMeo, he actually messaged me right before the show saying – uh, I'm glad to see Andrew Phillips put together a solid day. It would be nice to see him be a hit. Love the way he plays. Mm -hmm. He wrote a scouting report for him already. Go over to ontapsportsnet.com. You can find Nick's report on Andrew Phillips and all the information on him there. Mm -hmm. um, now, for me, for my under-the-radar guy, you got to go to small school, right? You, you got you to find guys that, that, that just – you look at the helmet and you say, who's that? Yeah. Who has those bright colors all over their helmet that I keep noticing? And for me, it was Jalex Hunt, edge rusher out of Houston Christian. And he's listed at what let's see, what is this? Six six something. Um, six two and a half or six three and a half, 250 pounds, 34 and a quarter inch arms. And I just keep seeing this kid all over the field. Yeah. I mean, I, I noticed him when they were doing gunner stuff mm -hmm. for punts. How quickly he got he released off the blocker and got upfield. He's long, he's fast. He just this kid just looks like an NFL player to me. Yeah. And yeah, he's giving help to whoever he's going up against on one-on-ones. He's not winning them all, he's getting embarrassed on occasion, but he's also embarrassing on occasion. Yeah. He's got some bend, that quickness off the football. I'm I'm really interested to see how this works out for him because Jalex Hunt has been impressive throughout the season. Also. Yeah. I've I'm glad you brought him up. And like when you have a small, a real small school guy like that, you, he doesn't have to come in here and dominate. Yeah. He has to just come in here and just shows show he belongs, and he absolutely belongs with everyone in that group mm -hmm. on the defensive line and the offensive line. So he's, yeah, I'm glad you brought him up. All right, final topic here: Bears thoughts from this national team, Steve. I'm going to mention it again, uh, just real quick. Bears need to draft Christian Haynes, the UConn interior offensive lineman. But just to talk about someone else, uh, I really like Marcus Harris, uh, the three technique from from Auburn. He again, he, it's not like he's dominating a lot of these reps, but he's definitely holding his own. Um, and he's you know a little undersized. I believe he's like six two and a half, two eighty, two eighty two, something like that. So obviously undersized. He's not going to be a guy you're going to want to play you know early downs. But a guy you can bring in maybe as a pass, situational pass rusher early on, maybe puts on some weight and becomes a uh, more of a, a run guy. But even the refs we've seen in team drills and in, in run defense, he's been stout, even holding up to double teams at only 284 pounds. So it's not that he can't do it, uh, but he probably just needs to add some weight. But I really like this fit because the Bears, you know, they drafted two D tackles last year. So it would be surprised me if they drafted – another D tackle uh, in the first two days of the draft. So then you're looking at day three guys to maybe come in and bring some competition. And he's a guy who is going to be probably drafted on day three. I really like, I thought his tape was pretty good and he's held his own today, uh, these last two days. So he, I like him a lot. 
Robert? Anaya Smith is hitting the perfect balance of show me what I wanted to see, but also don't show too much. Like, if the Bears were going to draft, it's so funny looking through these receivers because you've got guys like Mark Sosme Jackson, who's playing pretty well, but he's not big enough to play true X receiver, or at least probably. So I don't know if the Bears are going to lean in that direction. The Bears need a the Bears need a number two, whether that's a Z receiver that lets DJ Moore play X, or whether that's an X receiver that lets DJ Moore play Z. Yeah. A slot is yes. somebody that yeah, he's six one. I. I Wait, looks he out looks there. I thought bigger. he was like six three. He looks much bigger, and massive kudos to Jack Saint for the way that he plays the game. But that's it's going to look tough when you line up against three guys. Smaller, smaller. <laughs> right? And, and so the Bears have a need at receiver, but you can feel why they want one of the early ones, or at least why they might, because that void feels a little bigger. So the the guy that I would expect them to go after is somebody who's going to be there in the fourth or fifth round and might give you a little bit more as a grinder, as a number three receiver, if he plays his way into that role. And I would hope that that would be a guy like Smith. I don't know if it's dreaming because Smith may test really well and get himself bumped up into the fourth, maybe third round. But he's also just short enough in, what is he, 5'9", and a little bit, that I know he's going to drop just like Josh Downs did. We've seen this before. And so he very well may be an option there for the Bears in slot. And I specifically said Smith so that I didn't mention all the safeties. Because (laughs) I think I'm bleeding that (laughs) One thing I like about Anaya Smith is he started his career at running back for Mm -hmm. Texas A&M. And you see that when you watch him because when he catches the ball, he's definitely – He's looking to make guys miss after the catch, and he, and he can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm like over at 190 <laughs> pounds, five foot nine. I mean, that is a like thick yeah. five foot nine. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> he'd, he'd be a great fit. He's Bayless, yeah. but good. Bayless, <laughs> <laughs> but good. This is a great way to book it. Yeah. Uh, so for me, with the Bears' thoughts, um, I already mentioned him a little bit in Bo Limmer. I think that really, I'm gearing this towards centers, interior offensive linemen who have played plenty of center but have some versatility because in my eyes, you very well might be looking at a free agent starting center because pairing a rookie quarterback with a rookie center, there's only one guy in this class that I feel okay with that about, and that's Zach Frazier. And unless you're willing to spend probably top 60 pick capital, you're not getting Zach Frazier. Right. Um, So that's where I'm thinking – Free agency is probably the route. And then you get a guy who's going to be ultra utility interior guy until he gets his shot at center. I think Bo Limmer's a guy who fits that. I think Andrew Rame, so Bo Limmer out of Arkansas and Andrew Rame out of Oklahoma. There are two guys who I've really tried to key in on today to be like, you know, this is a day three center with some versatility who could really make sense for the Bears. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Did you guys have any final thoughts you wanted to get out there before I check the comments one more time when we wrap this up? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Let's check the comments. All right. Let's see. Anything new? No? We're good. So thank you guys for watching. Please remember to like, subscribe, comment, whatever you're watching on. Give us a rating if you're listening, a review. We'd love to hear from you guys, hear any feedback you have. Go check out our scouting reports over at ontapsportsnet.com. There's also Chicago Bears, Bulls, Blackhawks, White Sox, Cubs, Fire, 
college football, on-tap bets, on-tap golf. We have all these categories for you guys. Whatever you're interested in, we're writing about it. And go check it out. And thank you guys for watching. We appreciate you guys. And have a good night. That was awkwardly good.